sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. This is MacDonald Carey, and these are the days of our lives. Hi, this is Ken Bourdais. You are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. That is very happy to welcome Ms. Louise Sorrell. Louise Sorrell, the award-winning actress who most of you know for her roles on daytime television, particularly such villainous characters as Vivian Alamein on Days of Our Lives and Augusta Lockridge on Santa Barbara, although Louise is certainly no stranger to primetime television throughout her career, including starring roles on Ladies' Man and The Don Rickles Show, plus memorable appearances on just about every major primetime TV series and movie of the week throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s, including Reina, The Android, and Requiem for Methuselah, one of the classic episodes of Star Trek, the original series, and one of my favorite Louise Sorrell roles, the femme fatale with the photographic memory in the pilot, Forget Christy Love. Rumor has it that Louise Sorrell is working on a memoir. We'll ask her about that and a whole lot more in just a second. But first, before I forget, it is mid-July as we have this conversation, but this program will air the weekend of August 6th. I understand August 6th is your birthday, so happy That's birthday. ironic. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we like to plan these things. So uh, <laughs> uh, ha- happy birthday, Louise. Thank you so much. But, you know, Thelma Ritter's dead. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I've, writ- I've written a piece about that. <laughs> Eventually it'll happen, but right now I'm still here. Well, I'm not very... Dead yet. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm very glad you're here because... It, it would be it would be a very difficult radio interview otherwise. So uh, <laughs> yes. let's see. I understand you're working on a memoir. Is that still happening? Is it still in the works? You know, I won't say they're memoirs. I've written some. I've, I've written many actually. My thought, my first attempt at anything that was complete is a book called Madison on Fifth, which is about the dog I had called Madison. It was a Wheaton Terrier, mm-hmm. and I really have a wonderful concept and a lot of it written and a lot of wonderful photographs. Uh, but then when COVID started, my mind went to, as many of us, uh, another place. Some people got more creative. I got less creative. I started writing. I like to write short pieces that mm-hmm. come to me. So I have a lot of pieces that are, I think some actually, I really think are very good. And some people think so as well. So I might try to get them out there. But I haven't, I haven't, done what I'd call a memoir like everybody, you know, wants to do, and I think it's great, but it's not together yet by any means. Well, it sounds like Madison on 5th, for one, is... Is that a great title? It, that's, I love that title. I love yeah, that title. It's and, a good title. Well, well, please keep us posted on, on the progress yes. of that or anything else you're doing, because, look, we all have stories in us, and sometimes we need to be in the right frame and the night right right space to be able to tell those stories and put them on paper Absolutely. And, be, and and also yes. feel ready to release them to the public yes yes no you're right um it, it just has to be uh, the, the piece the short pieces i'm writing i'm 
I'm quite happy with. I've uh, shared them with a few people, and some of them are very political, and some of them are just um, my aesthetics of being in, a, you know, living in existence and my relationship to things around me and what what occurs. Some are very funny, and some of them are dark. But anyway, it's I think it's wonderful to write. It's a private thing, and it's sometimes very lonely. Mm-hmm. But it's very. I'm so impressed by some of my friends who've put books together and they're out there. I just love it. Yeah, like so many things in life, Louise, writing is a dichotomy. On the one hand, it, it's regardless of what form of writing uh, one does, it's, it is a way to kind of comment, engage with the world at large, but at the same time, in order to write, one has to disengage. So, uh, in, in, yes. it's, so again, it's, it's, it's one of those many ironies in life, but that's, I guess that's what makes writers unique. Oh, yes. I love to read, and I'm just kind of stunned by the kind of work some people have put out, you know, constantly. And I, I feel remiss that I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm always torn about that because, you know, I love acting, but frankly, I'd rather, if I'm not, I'd rather be doing something that I care about. And I love, there's so many things that bother me right now. I mean, I, I just put something on Facebook that said, when in doubt, watch Jerry Seinfeld to soothe the blues about the news. Yeah. Because I am sickened by what is going on, but I probably shouldn't get into that right now. Uh, well, anyway. it's, hopefully we are not sickening our guest. Our guest is Louise Sorrell, actress known around the world as Vivian Alamein on Days of Our Lives, Augusta Lockridge on Santa Barbara. Days of Our Lives, executive producer Ken Corday once described Louise as the most passionate villain ever on Days of oh Our Lives. He did? He did. Gee. He said That's this. Nice. Yes, no. He was a previous. He was a guest on our program a few years back. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't spoken to him in a while. Yeah. That's yeah. very nice. Yes, yes. And uh, he also said that uh, he also described your your portrayal of Vivian as a character from an Edgar Allan Poe nightmare which i don't know what he means by that but i thought that's pretty that's a cool that's, that's, that's a cool description i love that he said well i have a feeling it has to do with the fact that i was constantly fighting for things that i believed in in terms of the character but mm-hmm. maybe not i don't know well i think they, they used to hide when they saw me coming up the stairs <laughs> maybe want, that's the nightmare part well i don't I, know let me ask you about that that is that that is something i've learned about you you've been an actor long enough to know that in certain mediums like television you know sometimes because of time and constraints such yeah. like that sometimes all you can do is just deliver the lines you give them as best yep. you can but but there have been times when you've put your foot down and said, why are we doing this? I can't possibly do this. That's not, I, I can't, I can't play something like that. So you've always had that sort of, you've never been afraid to assert yourself. Where, where, where do you think that came from? Gee, uh, you know, I don't really know because I'm not a confrontational person at all. I just wither and with, if somebody gets mean or whatever. But I feel like it's a career. You know, I went. I started when I was sixteen in high school mm-hmm. with a teacher who gave me such discipline. I was doing Lorca and Shakespeare and the Greeks when I was sixteen and seventeen. I don't mean to be pompous about it, but I was taught discipline, mm-hmm. and I was taught to think 
and everything that I went through in the neighborhood playhouse, and then working with George Abbott and Arthur Penn and all these people, and I, I just felt like you need to protect something that you care about in the best way you can. I, I don't think I was ever rude. I mean, I, I just, I remember a couple of occasions on days, and it turned out fabulously because they wanted me to do a jig on the grave when I buried this. It, it was a big show. It, it got a lot of publicity. Yes. I buried this actress alive, Carly, who's a good friend of mine, by the way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I buried her alive, and they wanted me to say, Vivian does a jig. And I went upstairs, and I said, I don't jig. I mean, I, I did it in a funny, I think it was funny, maybe yeah. not. And he said, what do you what do you want to do? I said, I have no idea. So at lunch hour, I just spent the hour improvising. And then I came up with this thing, and the director said, what are you going to do? I said, um, I'm not sure. He just said, pull the cameras back, and just, she'll do something. So I did this crazy thing, and it, it they started playing it on the Soap Opera Digest Awards, because it was so insane. And it just came to me. And I think they were happy that I, I hope, you know, they were happy that I came up with something that was successful. But I, I, it was, you know, it's the times when something just doesn't jog in your brain and you have to try to save it or make it better or, because they work so fast, you know, these writers are under such pressure and the directors are, everybody is. So I don't like to take up people's time. I like to get it done before we start it. And I don't know, I think I'm, I'm very polite. I just scared them, I guess. I don't know. Well, look, just listening to you, I, I would say, look, from a very young age, you mentioned uh, the impact your, your one of your first teachers had on you. Look, you come to your work, whether you're working on a soap opera, whether you're working in primetime, whatever, whether you're working on the stage, you're a professional. You're a professional actress. You're good at what you do. You're pliable to a degree, but they they wouldn't bring you to the table unless they unless they knew what Louise Sorrell could do. So, well, you hope, yeah. At, at the same time, I give them. You know, they as I said, the, it's very hard work. It's particularly with soaps. It's fast. They don't have time for a lot of things. They used to. Mm-hmm. When we started on Santa Barbara, I was in heaven. People said, "Oh, you don't want to do a soap." I said, "Well, maybe I. I don't know." Then I get on the soap with Dame Judith Anderson and Nick Coster, and these theater people. I said, what's wrong with this? We used to rehearse and improvise on lunch hours Mm -hmm. as actors, Mm -hmm. those of us who were, you know, theater trained. And it was joyous. Uh, And they, you know, I had some battles there too. But basically, we had the time. They took much, a lot of time in the beginning with that show. And of course, it sped up after a while. But in the beginning, we were free to play. But now it's very difficult because of money and constrictions and, you know, so they're having a hard time staying on. Yes. So they're rushing it. They rush everything and they have to. Otherwise they can't do it. Absolutely. And and we've we've talked about this before. The people who work on soap operas, uh, who work on daytime television shows above the line and below the line, work harder than anybody in television because because soap operas are 60 minutes today. So that's the equipment. That's... That's the equivalent of three movies a week. That's right. That you guys have right. to do. Yes, it is. It's daunting, you know. Uh, I, I, I luckily I feel that because I've had you know the training and the background or whatever, I I'm not intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine if you haven't. When I was doing One Life for a, a year, uh, some theater people came on who hadn't done soaps, and they were just horrified <laughs> because of the. 
you know, the speed uh, that they had to come up with things. But then they were trained actors and they did it. But it was, you know, it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. Louise Sorrell is on the line with us sharing a few memories about her career in daytime television, primetime television, as well as her life on the stage. You can follow Louise Sorrell on Facebook. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. You mentioned earlier in our conversation your father was a film producer. Your mother, I understand, was a film actress, and then she helped you work behind the scenes in some of your, your, yes. your dad's movies. Yes. But you, you decided at a young age you wanted to be a stage actress. Was there any one particular thing that made you want to pursue the stage versus film? Well, I didn't know anything else. I was in high school at 15, 16, 17. I went to city, L.A. City College for two years. All I did was theater for five years from the time I was 15 or even four years, whatever it was. I didn't know anything else. And my father, you know, was at the movie studios. It never occurred to me to be in a movie or television. All I knew was the theater. I mean, I, I just, you know, I went to New York to study acting to go to Broadway mm-hmm. to do theater. And that's what I knew. And by coincidence, the night of my first wedding, they hired me to fly to the coast on my wedding night. <laughs> was just, yeah, that was, that was a smart move. Dr. Kildare. That was the first time I ever did, and I think I did a couple of, what are the New York, I don't know, something in New York, Route 66 or something like that. Yeah, back, 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 I, back then there were a lot of, uh, there, there were still a lot of TV shows, daytime and primetime yeah. in production in New York, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I did a few of those, but my mind was always, always in the theater. I just, uh, you know... <laughs> I should have stayed in New York, quite honestly, but I married this wonderful actor, Herb Edelman, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go to the West Coast, having been in Brooklyn all his life, and then on Broadway, because he was so talented. And that was his dream. Hollywood! Same <laughs> thing with a second husband. Yeah. I don't know. But I should have stayed in New York, really. I should have stayed. I left doing a play by Moraine Hansberry called The Sign of Sidney Brewstein's Window with Rita Moreno and Gabe Dell. And, and, you know, that was my last, I think, no, there were a couple of plays after that. But that was like, just before I went to the West Coast. And, you know, it was the theater. That's That was it. It's in my bones. I understand your father did not cotton to the idea of you becoming an actress originally. What what finally swayed him? What changed his mind? Now, I have to tell you, ask you, how do you know that? Uh, because I do the best I can to to oh. learn as much about my guests before I talk to them. Is that in the news somewhere? No, I just did some research on Louise Sorrell. I see. Interesting. Well, you know, it's not that unusual for a man to not want his daughter to leave, not only leave home, but go be an actress when he sees what happens to actresses mm-hmm. in his business. The last thing he wanted, he, he never really saw me in a play until my mother dragged him to see me do Cleopatra. He, he just didn't, I, I don't want to say it, but I think possibly he wasn't very interested, but he also was scared, I think, scared for me. Yeah. And then there was nothing he could do because I said, I'm, go- I'm leaving, mm-hmm. I left at 18. So he had nothing to say about it. He just watched me leave on a plane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, kept on with his work. But, no, he wasn't, keen on it. My mother had been called the new Garbo and uh, and really gave up a career which I think she always regretted 
She's also brilliant classical pianist and painter. And she definitely was helpful when I had work to do that scared me. In theater, you know, in high school and college, they used to give me the most difficult roles, and I just cry and say, "I can't do this. Why are they making me do this?" And then she said, "Oh, yes, you can," and I did as best I could, you know. So my father was no, just always worried that I was going to. Uh, always saying to me, "You left the key in the door." You know, one of those fathers. <laughs> yeah. Why is the key in the door? Yeah. Did, did you mean to leave the key in the door? Did you park? Where did you park the car? On the street. Where do you think I parked the car? It was like I was mentally ill or something, delinquent. Yeah. But uh, he wasn't a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was just, as, as you say, there was, it, it sounds like there's a little bit of protectiveness yeah. going on there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's yet of a period of time, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think fathers are more contemporary. They're more present for their children and encouraging I see fathers now, I just envy, you know, the way they care with their children. Quite wonderful. Louise Sorrell is on the line with us, sharing a few memories about her career in daytime television, primetime television, as well as her life on the stage. You can follow Louise Sorrell on Facebook. Let's see, we're going to jump back a few years. You you mentioned um, your early years as a, a stage actress in the 60s, appearing on Broadway, and you started to do... You started to do some uh, network television shows. One of the first network television shows I think you did, you did an episode of The Fugitive, one of my favorite episodes. You played David Jansen's sister-in-law, um, yes. uh, Ruth White, great stage actress. Played- Ruth White, wonderful actress. Yes. And Lloyd Goff, also another stage actor, played your father. Any memories of, of working yes, with him? You're, you're going to think they're pretty pathetic. The only memory I have of that, other than he was a sweetheart, is that my first day, and it's a killer when they give you one word mm-hmm. on the first day, mm-hmm. and you sit in, a, <laughs> your, in your wagon with one word, and you start practicing like Kramer did with these pricks for making me thirsty. <laughs> I'm Seinfeld, I'm a Seinfeld actor. And I'm sitting there going, and my first line is, David. That was my first line. Oh, Richard. Excuse me, Richard. Richard Kimball. And I sat in the bloody thing going, Richard? 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 That's what I did for about six hours until I got up to say the one line I had that day. I never forgot it. <laughs> Waste-making. That's a cruel thing to do to an actor. On your first day, you don't know the people, and you're nervous, and, you're, and you know that this <laughs> is the first time he sees you, you're going to say one word. And you want to say it brilliantly, mm-hmm. which is difficult. Yes. And that's what I did. I don't remember anything else except he was a sweetie. Louise, man. I understand when I ask you a question like that, it's like, ask, it's like asking you what you had for breakfast in 1965. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> yes. you know. Or this morning. Or the- <laughs> <laughs> but that's... That's a lovely story because we have a lot of different listener types of listeners. We have, we have we have industry people who listen to our show, and then we have people who just enjoy the chance to meet some of their favorite TV personalities. But and what people who don't work in the industry don't don't realize is that with with television, a lot of times when you're shooting that scene where you say Richard, you know, you're not necessarily shooting the episode in in sequence. You could be shooting something oh, from not pa- at all. so. It's very difficult for an actor to 
figure, okay, where am I in the script? Where am I in the moment? You know, what motivates me to say that one word as convincingly as I can in the moment I'm doing it? It's not, it's not easy. Louise Sorrell is on the line with us. Louise Sorrell, the actress known around the world as Vivian Alamein on Days of Our Lives and Augusta Lockridge on Santa Barbara. We'll take a quick time out and we'll talk some more with Louise about some of her other roles on television, including her co-starring role on The Don Rickles Show. We come back on TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life, but it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415 415- 886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com Front Porch Realty Group They'll find the solution that works best for you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.